You're listening to Packers Talk Network. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay. Or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. Memo to the Green Bay Packers. You can go ahead and take next week off. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to this week's episode of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I'm your host, Chris Lempsis, coming to you once again from my basement Packer room in my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down Green Bay's last second UGLY, you ain't got no alibi, yet somehow, still beautiful, 23-20 road win over the Detroit Lions on Sunday at Ford Field. With the win, the Packers close the regular season at 13-3. Wow. Can we just, let's take a minute. Okay, not a full minute, because that would be dead air, and that's terrible. Let's take a second to let that sink in. 13-3. and three. Incredible. I mean, I said 10-6 and six on family night, and I thought I was being too generous, to be honest with you. Or I thought maybe I was being too generous. Unbelievable. It turns out I was underselling them. I, I didn't give them enough credit. 13-3. and three. Unbelievable. They finished a full three games ahead of the 10-6 and six Minnesota Vikings, who lost to the Chicago Bears in Minneapolis on Sunday. The Vikings were locked into their playoff spot, so they had nothing to lose or gain in that one. So they kind of just mailed it in, basically. Uh, those same Bears, as a result of their win, finished the season third in the North at 8-8. Eight and eight. Wow, awesome. Good for you guys. 8-8. Eight and eight. Good stuff. Remember when people were saying it was going to be the Bears division for like the foreseeable future last summer? Worked out well. Good stuff. And the Lions end the season in their all-too-familiar position of dead last at 3-12-1. Terrible. Luckily, we have we do not have such problems. The Packers will enter the NFC playoffs as the two-seed in the conference because of Seattle losing on Sunday night. Thanks, Seattle. Thanks for somehow finding a way yet again to screw the Packers over. Again, you screw us. They were this close to winning that. Basically, the Packers lost out on home field advantage throughout the playoffs by about, if you watch that game, by about three inches. Of course, Seattle got screwed by the refs because they didn't review that holding. That should have been a holding call in the end zone. On the uh, Was it the third down pass from Wilson to the tight end? Whose name escapes me? Hollister? That should have been... That should have been at least holding, if not pass interference. That should have been saddle ball at the one. Give it to Marshawn Lynch. Game over. Packers Packers are the number one seed. So, the Packers, you know, the fail Mary, we go up to Seattle. We get boned by the replacement refs. Then we need Seattle's help tonight, and they get boned by the refs. I, that's, I don't know if that's irony, whatever it is. Whatever word you want to use for it. That's... It's almost, you got to laugh, right? Still, they got the two seed, though. That's I mean, that's really good. It's incredible. That's really good. Green Bay's first playoff game will be Sunday, January 12th at 5.40 p.m. Lambeau time against the highest remaining seed in the NFC. So what that means is if New Orleans beats Minnesota next weekend, New Orleans will automatically be Green Bay's opponent because they're the three seed. But 
It could also be the Philadelphia Eagles or Seattle Seahawks, the winner of that game, if Minnesota were to pull off the upset over the Saints. I do not more on that towards the end of the show, of course, but I I think it's probably going to be the Saints. I think there's a reason the league put that game last. It's the final game of divisional weekend. A lot of people say it's the best football weekend of the year, for NFL fans anyway. Um, I think there's a reason they put that at the end. I think they're fully expecting it to be Rodgers versus Breeze. Which is, I mean, that's an incredible matchup for them to sell. So, but it could be one of three teams. And if you're wondering, I did look this up because I'm a nerd. According to the Weather Channel, the forecast for Green Bay, Wisconsin on the evening of January 12th, 21 degrees with a 40% chance of snow. Around one inch of uh, snow expected. Winds 5 to 10 miles an hour. Now that's, that's pretty good. I'd like to see that, I don't know about you guys, I'd like to see that a little bit colder. I'd like to see that get around, you know, 12, 13 degrees, maybe even into single digits. Especially if it's breeze. Like, let's make that as cold as possible. As cold as possible. Come on, Ma Nature, hook us up. Before we get into the fun, got to do the shameless self-promotion. Mention the social media email and all that good stuff. The Twitter account, LempsMKE, at It's Just Chris Now, you know. I this is how all in I was on Seattle winning tonight. I if you don't follow along on Twitter, I changed my handle from Lemps MK. I haven't done that since I went from old bag of donuts to Lemps MKE. Um, I changed it just for the rest of the day. I changed it to number one Seahawks superfan, and a lot of good that did me. And it was funny because actually, as the game was gonna, once it looked like San Francisco was going to win when they were up, what was it like 14, 14 or fifteen? In the fourth quarter, I changed it back to Lambs MK. I was like, it's over. Seattle's defense sucks. There's no way they're going to win. And the reverse jinx, I, I wasn't even trying to reverse jinx it, to be honest, but it almost worked. So anyways, it's back to Lambs MK at It's Just Chris Now. Facebook, old bag of donuts, OL bag of donuts. The email account, OL bag of donuts at Gmail. So old bag of donuts at gmail.com. And if you're checking us out on the wonderful Packers talk, checking me out, I should say, who's we? I always say we. If you're checking me out on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, hey, leave a rating. Five stars, those are our favorite. Even if you're like, you know, this is like a four, four point two five star, just bump it up to five. Round up, you jerk. Come on. It's the holidays. And maybe leave a rating, you know, maybe leave a comment. Chris, you're awesome. I love you. You're great. That'd be good too. But if you want to leave a negative comment, keep that shit to yourself. Okay, so now that I've gotten the shameless self-promotion out of the way, let's talk about this game, eh? Now, before I get into the game, I gotta... If you didn't see this, I gotta share this stat with you guys. This this uh, factoid, I suppose you'd say. From Rob Domovsky, Packers beat reporter for ESPN. The Packers went 2-0 and against the Lions without holding a lead in regulation in either game. Both games won on game-ending field goals. Per Elias, it's only the second time in NFL history... A team went 2-0 against an opponent, despite not holding a lead in regulation. The other instance was the 1977 49ers over the Saints. Which, you're, if you're younger, you might be wondering, well, why did the Saints play the Saints play the 49ers twice? Yes, because the NFL was goofy once upon a time, and they had the New Orleans Saints in the NFC West and the Arizona Cardinals in the NFC East. So for you kids out there, you millennials... That is probably shocking to you, but it's true. Okay, so obviously, 
I mean, obviously it was a terrible first 30 plus minutes of football, right? The Packers, I mean, they just looked they just looked dead asleep after their big division clinching victory over the Vikings on Monday night. You know, I think they, I mean, with the Lions, the season they've had, I think the Packers kind of thought, hey, just roll out the balls, roll out the helmets, we'll waltz into Ford Field, stomp these guys out quick, and it'll be over with. That is not what happened, though. The Lions, you know, the Lions, I got to give them credit, man. They showed up and battled. They wanted to play, whatever, whatever the reason is, you know. Did they, did they want to play spoiler were they trying to, you know, end their season on a good note? Guys trying to put some good things on tape for management. Whatever the reason, they did not one, two, three Cancun this, as Charles Barkley would say. I got to give them credit. They made the Packers work for it. You know, the Packers, they came alive in that second half. But, I mean, it was really, if you're like me, it, it, I kind of thought they were going to lose. I did. I'm not going to lie. You know, I really, I just felt like, you know, there comes a point in a game, you know, the first quarter you can say, okay, slow start, they'll wake up. Once you Second quarter, once you get into the second half and it hasn't happened yet, you're going like, I, I don't know if it's going to happen. So I was kind of thinking they were going to lose and, and the Packers were going to be playing the Vikings at Lambeau next weekend. But, you know, everybody came alive or came alive enough anyway, and the Packers were able to get the win, continuing their theme of winning ugly. So, I, I uh, more on the ugly thing, too, in a little bit, of course. But, hey, it got him the buy, right? So, good enough. Let's start. So, let's start by talking. I'm going to start by talking with the, talking about the offense, right? And if you're talking offense with this team, you're talking Aaron. Jones. Oh, you thought I would start with Aaron Rodgers? Oh, don't worry. I'll get to him in a little bit. And, yeah, it ain't, ain't going to be pretty at all. But let's start with the positive, right? Let's start with Aaron Jones again being the man for this Packers offense on Sunday. It was, you know, and, th- and this game against the Lions was similar to his performance uh, against the Vikings on Monday night. Not a great first half, but wow, was he outstanding in the second half. Look at his splits. First half, 10 carries, 38 yards, no catches. Second half, 15 carries, 62 yards, Two catches for 43 yards. So 38 all-purpose yards in the first half and 105 in the second half. Incredible. Obviously, his biggest play of the game was the last of those two catches, which came on Green Bay's game-winning drive. So first and 10, set the scene here. First and 10 on the Packer 49-yard line, 45 seconds left. Rodgers under heavy pressure. Flicks one to Jones on a screen. I guess it was a screen. It didn't really look like it was set up that great if it was. Kind of a loose screen, I guess you'd say. But Jones did what he does, man. He makes magic happen. He cuts it inside, then eases it outside. He's zigging, he's zagging, he's making guys miss. Picking up 31 yards and getting the Packers to the Lions 20. I mean, that play, for all intents and purposes, that was what won them the game on that last drive. How many guys do you think could make that play? I mean, not many. Christian McCaffrey, there's probably a few other running backs, but not many. I mean, honestly, yeah, I'm biased, but I just I just think he's so special. And that play, I mean, that was, that kind of encapsulated how special he is. And how special he's been this season. And uh, he hit a milestone, 
in the game. He went over 1,000 yards for the first time in his career with his rushing performance Sunday. So congratulations to Jones on that. You know, and simply put, I mean, he he's just a guy that gets better as the game goes on. You know, he's not the biggest guy. Traditionally, you say such things about bigger players, bigger backs. You go, eh, he gets, you know, the, the more carries he gets, the better he gets as the game goes on. Little guys, you don't tend to say that as much. But with Jones, you do. I mean, he needs touches. And you saw it against the Lions. Nearly doubled his touches from the first half to the second half. And once the touches improved, things took off for this team. But, you know, they just they still have these stretches where they seem to forget about him. Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers, who's to blame? I don't know. But they forget about him. And that just that can't happen now. We're in the playoffs now. This is, you lose, that's it. Season's over. Goodbye. See you, see you in July at uh, St. Norbert. You know, now the offense, more than ever, has to run through Showtime 33. It has to. And I'm not saying that because I got Aaron Jones socks for Christmas. Although I did, and they're really comfortable, and they're awesome. Um, also, I'm sober for this episode, I want to point out. <laughs> I hope you guys, I hope everybody listening enjoyed the the, uh, the uh, sauced edition of Lemp's Talking. The sauced Christmas Eve edition of Lemp's Talking Pack last week. I'm sober for this one, though. Um, I'm kind of derailing on that. But anyway, so, yeah, they have to run this through Jones. He has to be the guy. More than anybody else. And, you know, that was especially true Sunday because his quarterback was just not very good at all. I mean... Rodgers, 27 of 55, 323 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. But there were some truly worrisome numbers within those numbers. So this again from Domovsky, ESPN. Aaron Rodgers had 16 overthrows for incompletion Sunday. Not only was that a career high, it's tied for the most by a QB since ESPN began tracking them in 2006. Josh Freeman, oh my God. Josh Freeman also had 16 in his lone start with the Vikings in 2013. Now, if you don't remember that game, that's a fairly infamous NFL game. Freeman gets signed by the Vikings. I think that was an October game. He got signed by the Vikings uh, as a free agent after he got, I think, cut by Tampa. And I think he'd been in Minnesota, what, like only a few days? A week, if that. And they threw him out there to start this Monday night game against the Giants. You can look up the box score. I mean, it was... Probably the worst single-game performance a quarterback has ever had. So, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what we're dealing with with Rodgers uh, as far as this game goes. And then this is from Michael David Smith from Pro Football Talk, a Twitter page that has me blocked. Thank you very much, Mike Florio. I don't even know what I did get blocked. You know that? I tweet. It could have been any number of tweets. I, I probably retweeted a lot of... I probably said a lot of snarky shit his way. Either way, I'm proud. If you look at the Twitter page, it's the first thing. It says blocked by Florio. I digress. This is from Michael David Smith. Aaron Rodgers' 28 incompletions today were the most of any quarterback in any NFL game this season. (laughs) So very, those are a couple of dubious factoids about Rodgers. Dubious stats for Rodgers in this one. Why was he so bad? Uh... You know, because, I mean, you know, those numbers aren't lying. He really was. I mean, he was missing high. He was miss. He was over. Overshooting was the biggest thing. He had a lot of guys open. 
that he just he just overshot. But I mean, it wasn't just that. He was high on throws. He was low on throws. He was behind. He threw behind Robert Tanyan on one play late in the game. Um, it was just kind of the full the full gamut. Every every kind of way a quarterback can misfire, he misfired. His 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 throwing form, I thought, was poor. You know, I I think he's got some fundamental. I think he's got some fundamental issues. I know he he bristles when anybody ever brings that whenever that's brought up to him. But I think he does. A lot of kind of throwing off his back foot. A lot of throwing going away. It's not great. You know, and 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 as usual, hang up. Too much home run chasing. Not not being. He's not willing to stay within the offense. Because whenever they do throw the short stuff or the intermediate stuff, it tends to work. But it's like Rodgers can't help himself. But he has to... He's not the guy he was. Like, I'm not saying he's washed up. And I'm not going to get into whether or not they should draft his replacement. That's a question for the offseason. That was stuff people were talking about on Twitter. Even if I was going to get into it, I'd say I'm not there yet. But he has to stay within the offense. Whether it's a lack of weapons or him, I don't know. But he's just... There's too much. He's trying to make plays he could make three and four years ago, and he's just not able to at this point. Not saying he'll always be able, you know, he'll always struggle making those plays, but for right now, he is. He needs to do what's working. And there's too much of the, I got to get the big play. I got to get the big play. That's not great. (laughs) And I think that really hurt the Packers in this one, you know? And him struggling isn't really anything new. I don't think he's been that great for much of the second half for a lot of those same reasons, you know? And it is it is a little worrisome. Again, I'm not going to get too much into the future, but it's a little worrisome, more than a little bit. Because uh, you do wonder if he can stay within the offense. Can he just do what works? I don't know. These playoffs are going to be big for him to show something. That he's able to just do what's working. Now, some are going to blame the play calling. I saw some people blaming the play calling on Twitter and stuff. I don't know. It's hard to say how many of those deep shots were Rogers' decisions or specific Matt LaFleur play calls. The play calling stuff, I don't know. I don't know how many of those deep plays, the deep shot was the first read. Was the play designed for somebody underneath and Rogers just said, forget it? Or was the play not designed to go deep at all and he changed the play? The play calling stuff, I don't know. You know? So I can't really doom them too much. I can't really call either one of them out too much on that. I'll tell you the one thing I don't like, and I think you can blame Matt LaFleur for this. I don't like the insistence on trying to make Marquez Valdez-Scantling, MVS as we call him here on the show. Who knows for how much longer. But uh, the insistence on trying to make MVS and Geronimo Allison happen. Quit trying to make fetch happen, Gretchen. It's not going to happen. It, this isn't going to happen with these two. Look at these numbers from, from Sunday. Five or 11 targets. Five catches, 36 yards. <laughs> That's, I mean, come on, man. Now, I know MVS did have the one nice 11-yarder on the green, on the you know the game-winning drive, the play right before Jones' big play, actually. But overall, it's just, it's not happening with these two. They're just... It's not working out. And I'm not sure about Jimmy Graham either. Hell, I've been not sure. I'm guessing a lot of you have been the same way. Seven targets, 
49 cat four, 49 catches. Seven targets, four catches for 49 yards. Now, he made a couple of nice plays. He picked up 20 on a third down early in the second half. Of course, he also dropped a pass that he has to catch on Green Bay's first offensive possession. Thought that kind of set a negative tone for the offense early, that drop. He just doesn't look athletic. It looks very Richard Rodgers-y. Looks like he's just trying to squeeze every bit of juice he has left, and there just isn't much juice. The lemon is basically dried up. The orange is dried up. It's We're there. You know, I still think Kumaro, I still think Jake Kumaro needs more targets. Now, he got open. You know, he got open on that play late in the game. Rodgers was picked off because Rodgers <laughs> underthrew him. Crazy, Rodgers was overthrowing a lot of the day. And then on that one, he has Kumaro. Kumaro has a step on the DB. Rodgers underthrows him. I still think Kumaro can get open and can make plays. I think he needs more targets, more snaps. And as far as that's the wide receiver spot, as far as the tight ends go, I think I think Tanya needs more targets. I think I think Tanya and I think Jay Sternberger needs more targets. You know? These guys, they don't have the experience, but you know what they have? They're fast. They can run. Those two. They're athletic. That's a dimension this offense doesn't have right now. Graham is not giving it to them. You know, it's like if you look think about the NBA comparison, right? When an NBA team gets into the playoffs, they shorten their rotation, right? Like you might, an NBA team on any given night might play nine or 10 or 11 guys, 12 guys. If you're the Bucs and you're just killing it, most teams. Shout out to the Bucs, fear the deer. Um, but once you get into the playoffs, the rotation shorten. Teams go to like seven or eight, nine at the most, but usually eight. The Packers need to do this. They need to shorten. MVS and Allison shouldn't even be getting snaps. Or barely any at this point. Devontae Adams, who had another nice day, boy, was his touchdown catch. That was a thing of beauty, the way he he was able to bend that route inside and then take it to the corner. Seven catches, 93 yards for Devontae. He falls just short of 1,000 yards for the season, but obviously he missed time. Outstanding year for Devontae. And then you've got Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard, four catches, 69 yards, and a score. Great. 28-yard touchdown catch. Using all of his 6'5 frame and wingspan to go up and get that ball. But he's becoming a weapon, right? So your your rotation should be Al- Adams, Lazard, Kumaro. One, two, three. And a tight end, I would try to make Tanyan and Sternberger as much of an option. Get them as many snaps as you're giving Graham. That should be at least a three-way timeshare at this point, I think. But you know what I mean? You're not, they shouldn't be giving MVS and Allison these stat, these snaps at this point in the season. It's just not going to happen. That's one thing LaFleur can, that he can impact that. Probably the only guy who can impact that, and he needs to. Lastly, you know what? I I got to give credit to a couple other guys on the offense. I want to give credit to Lucas Patrick, center Lucas Patrick, who just signed a two-year extension on Saturday. Congratulations to him on that. And Jared Veld here. Saginaw Valley State alum, Gleak Power Baby, who was basically retired and the Packers brought in, got him up to speed. Those two came in and played really well on relief for Corey Lindsley, Patrick for Lindsley, who injured his back and didn't return. And then Veld here coming in for Balaga, who left to be evaluated for a concussion. I assume he had one because he didn't come back. Those two were great. They held down the fort and then some. Awesome work. 
You think Alex Light would have done what Valdir did? No way. No way. That was awesome stuff. I did wonder this on Twitter, and I didn't really get an answer. What would have happened? I think they were. that was it. The five they had to end the game. David Bakhtiari, uh, Elton Jenkins, Patrick, Turner, and Valdir. I don't think they had any other depth. What would have happened if someone else had gotten hurt up front? <laughs> would it have been? I think it would have been a D lineman, right? Like they did with Latroy Guyon in the... Uh, you think there's a name you didn't think you'd hear tonight. LaTroy Guyon in the NFC Championship game against Atlanta. I think, right? They'd have to go, would it be Lancaster? Someone said Kenny Clark. I would think it would maybe be Lancaster because he's a little bulkier. Maybe he'd come in and be an offensive lineman. But luckily, it didn't get to that point because that would have been wild, but it's some wild shit. Okay, uh, you know, enough about the offense. Wow, there's a lot of talk about the offense. But it's the Packers, right? Offense is always kind of the story with this team. Let's talk about this defense. Really a great effort in the second half. Held the Lions to four first downs and 61 total yards of offense. Including just, are you ready for this? Seven yards passing. Seven. Let me say that one more time. Seven yards passing. Now, disclaimer. This was a Detroit offense quarterback by something named David Blau. Who, as I said on a previous podcast a few weeks back... He played at Purdue. I'm a Minnesota alum. I don't even remember him playing for Purdue. So that shows you how spectacular his college career was. But he was a quarterback, not Matt Stafford. And the Detroit offense was basically down to Danny Amendola at the receiver spot in that second half because Kenny Galladay, Kenny, say that again, Kenny Galladay, who usually kills Green Bay, was out for the second half with a concussion. So, now they did still have their full stable of running backs, though. And despite that lack of talent, you got to credit Green Bay's defensive performance in the final 30 minutes. It was outstanding. They covered better. The pass rush was better. The run defense was much better. More on that in a bit. Overall, they just woke up and started playing with a real sense of urgency. You could see they all kind of sensed, like, holy shit. Like, we got to step it up. Like, this is, like... We're going to be playing next weekend if we lose. And you can see the whole team feel that way. But I thought defensively, really, they really keyed the comeback in that second half for the entire team. Because they just there was just a real sense of urgency. It was really impressive. Some great individual performances in the second half as well. You know what? We're going to start by talking about Blake Martinez. You know, I, I've hammered him a good amount on this show. So when he balls out, i got to mention him. That two-play sequence of his in the fourth quarter, holy hell. I mean, let's set the scene. Lions up 20-13. to Packers have just punted it back to Detroit after a terrible offensive series. Lions have good field position. Felt like the defense was going to need a turnover of some kind to give Green Bay a shot to win the game. Blau has just scrambled for a first down on a third and four, which had me just screaming an incredible string of obscenities at the television. I was even I, I was even shocked and kind of horrified. <laughs> so he gets that first down, and they were very close to Matt Prater's range. And if they get to his range, because he's got a big leg, if they get to his range and he hits a field goal, you're looking at a 10-point game with more than half the fourth quarter gone. I don't think the Packers come back. But here comes Blake Martinez busting through to sack Blau. After Z almost, after Zadari Smith almost strip-sacked him a split second earlier. So that was a huge play. Then the next play, there's Blake back deep in coverage to pick Blau off. Awesome. Awesome play by him on that one. Nice return, too. 
And then that plus the 15 yards added on after Amendola's idiotic personal foul penalty. I think he pushed was Kevin King. Set the Packers up to go down the field and eventually score on the aforementioned Rodgers to Alan Lazard touchdown. You know, I, I got I got to give Blake credit, man. He was really he was really that was probably his best game of the year today, right? Seven tackles, six solo, the sack. He had a pass defended earlier in the game. Tackle for loss. Nice play. Uh, it was a run stop. And then he had the QB hit, which came on the sack. I mean, just really good stuff from him. I still don't think he's the answer long-term, and I still think they'll probably up, look to upgrade that position in the offseason. But for one day, man, it was, it was really good. It was really, really good. Got to mention Zadarius, my man Z. Not a huge day statistically, but he was getting good pressure. You know what? He was really... 55 was in the backfield. He he was getting there. He wasn't getting all the way there, but he was getting there. And then uh, Tremont Williams with a nice run stop, aided by uh, Mr. Smith, Mr. Zadarius again. And then Tremont almost came up with a pick on a third down pass near the end of the uh, third quarter. He's come close the last couple of weeks. I think, I got a feeling the old dog Tremont's going to get one here in the playoffs. And it's going to be, it might be a big one. I'm going to say that. So now I said I said Savage a couple of weeks ago. I'm saying Savage and Tremont. I think they're both going to come up with big plays in these playoffs. I'm feeling it. Uh, the run now, it wasn't all good. <laughs> the run defense in that first half, that was bad. Detroit had 117 yards and a touchdown on just 16 carries. That was not good. And a lot of it was right up the middle. You know, Martinez was making plays, and I do think today was his best game, but there were a lot of plays he was getting pasted in the run game. Because he's just not very big and he's just not super athletic. A lot of that was right up the middle. Right up the gut on that Packers defense. It's still a major concern. I It's it's probably my big... Even more so than Rodgers, I think the run defense is probably my biggest concern for this team. And then Jair Alexander. Oh, Jair, Jair, Jair. I love you, kid, but that was... You have seen better days. <laughs> that... So let's talk about his body. He body slams Amendola, right? Detroit's driving deep in Green Bay territory, up 7-0. They end up going up 14-0. Because that, I mean, he, you know, he's got Amendola. I know some people were saying, well, you know, the whistle hadn't blown yet or whatever. You can't suplex guys in the NFL in 2019. And it was driving me nuts to hear people on Twitter going, well, you know, it's tackle football. This, look. I personally don't have any problem with it, but I know how the game is called. And in, tw- and in the NFL in 2019, you cannot do that. They will flag you for that. And they did. I thought it was really selfish of Zaire, or J- Zaire, Jair. Very selfish. Very stupid, boneheaded play. And it got Detroit even closer to the goal line. They end up scoring. And then he commits the pass interference call. Which set up Prater's field goal in the second. That was basically Detroit's biggest passing play. Was it 30 yards they got on that? Now, I know some people are saying, well, if he doesn't tackle the receiver, the guy catches it and it's a touchdown. Yeah, but I'm saying don't trip. <laughs> don't Come on, man. Don't trip in that spot, Jair. Come on. Like, we need you to be the number one corner. He also got burned by Galladay on a big completion in the first half. I just... And I still love that kid, but I, I'm not going to say... I he's really good, but I thought he would have. I thought he would have taken a little bit bigger of a jump. I thought that the leap would be a little bigger in year two for him. So, not saying disappointed, just saying it wasn't what I thought it would be. Though there's still time; he could still make some big plays in the playoffs. They'll probably need him to. 
All right, let's talk about the you know, let's move on to the special teams. You know what? A lot happened on the special teams today, and a lot of it was good. Gotta mention my man Tyler Irvin. Had another nice day returning the ball. The highlight, of course, being his big 33-yard kick return. And he's, you know what? He's he's really, you can see, even on the ones where he doesn't get a lot of yards, looks like maybe he's gonna. I think something might happen with him in the postseason. I think I just got kind of a weird feeling. Not a Desmond Howard vibe, but I got some kind of a vibe about him. And it's nice seeing him get more involved in the offense, you know? He's... He's, this offense doesn't have a ton of speed, so it's nice to get his speed into the equation there. I don't know how much you can do with him at this point because he's been in Green Bay about four seconds, but I like getting him out there at least as a, as a speedy decoy. And you know what? As far as my positional groups here, I, or units of the team, I got to end by talking about Mason Crosby. How else could I end it by ta- other than talking about the hero of the day? Three or four on field goals, including a 33-yarder to win it. How much do you love this guy? When you talk about mental freaking toughness, you're talking about Mason Crosby. Let's look at everything he's been through. Last season was the worst of his pro career. People like me were crowing that he should be cut. We all remember his 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 terrible performance against Detroit last year in, For- in Ford Field. Five field goals missed. And the Packers bring him back. And a lot of people, like, even like me, were wondering, was that the right call? Then, obviously, all of his, his tragic off-field stuff, right? His wife gets diagnosed with cancer in training camp, and then a few weeks back, a couple weeks back, he loses his sister-in-law to cancer, and the guy just keeps showing up and doing great things, making big kicks, and really providing inspiration for this team, I think. And just if, you know, just if you've been through, you know, I think for anybody, I've had a tough year, lost a couple of loved ones really close to me and my family, and I do look at guys, if I can get real world here for a minute with you, I do look at Crosby as kind of an inspiration. You know, he's one of those guys, you go, man, if he's doing it, he kind of, you know, he really is inspiring. You go, he's out there, he's still doing it, you know what, I can do this too. Because we all, if you've had tough times and I'm guessing most of you have, you know some days it's hard. Some days you just don't want to keep going. And then you think about guys like Crosby, you see guys like Crosby, and you go, you know what? Yeah. Hell yeah. So, yeah, I just, I I love him. I love Mason Crosby. Think about, I've said this, I think I said this after the kick against Detroit in October. Think about how much of your life you've spent with Mason Crosby as the kicker of this team. He's like family to us, you know? I'm just so proud of that dude for everything that he's been able to, all the adversity he's been able to overcome. Though I will say I'm not sure 50-plus yarders are his thing anymore. (laughs) Might want to keep him under 50 yards at this point. But he is a free agent at the end of the year, and he's a no-brainer re-sign as far as I'm concerned. Okay. I got a little deep there for a minute, huh? Did you like that? I hope you did. All right, big picture time here. 34 minutes in. We'll start by who do I think the Packers will face in the playoffs. It's going to be the Saints. I just don't see any way Minnesota goes in there and wins that game. Even if Dalvin Cook is healthy, I just I don't see it. Too much firepower from the Saints. That Viking secondary is suspect. I just it'll be loud. It'll be a raucous environment. I just I think the Saints are gonna win that comfortably. And I think we're gonna get Rodgers versus Breeze at Lambeau Field. So again, hopefully it's really, really cold, because we know the Saints and Breeze in particular are not good 
outdoors in the playoffs. How good are the Packers really? That's it's kind of the million dollar question, right? I was I think that was for me one of the more frustrating parts of this game <laughs> while they were struggling, you know, the first two, two and a half quarters, was that Viking I've been kind of skeptical. You might say negative, but I would say just more skeptical of this team. That Viking win, if you listen to the pod, really, I was on, I was like, I'm on board now. I think playing this way, you can go deep in the playoffs. Maybe get to the Super Bowl. And then for them to just drop a big turd in the punch bowl like they did for that first two and a half quarters, I was like, I can't believe it. Like, I finally get on board. You guys are going to screw me now? So, the question being, how good are they really? I mean... Can you win ugly all the way to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I think you can. But I think they're going to have to play a lot better than they did today. I don't think there's any David Blouse in the playoffs. You know, there's no teams that are down to Danny Amendola at receiver in the playoffs. You're going to have Breeze coming in. That's Drew Breeze. That's Alvin Kamara. That's Michael Thomas. That's Jared Cook. That's an offense. Like, And they've got defensive playmakers too. If it is the Saints, whoever it is, the, the, any team they play is going to have good players. Any team they play is going to be better than this Detroit team. Or the Giants team they beat, or the Washington team they beat, or the Bears. Even the Vikings team last week. The, the, the competition level goes up, 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 up at this point. So yeah, you can win ugly all the way to the Super Bowl, but you got to play a hell of a lot better than they played today. Or they've played these last few weeks. You know, and to do that is to offensively run the damn thing through Aaron Jones. Like I said, Aaron Jones, go to your road, stick with your rotation. Adams, Lazard, Kumaro, mix in the tight ends. But Aaron Jones has to get for them to win these playoff games. I think he's going to have to get up around 26, 27, 30 touches a game. Yeah, it's time to ride him. It's it's winner it's, it's winner go home now. What isn't working? I, you know, I could, are you worried about Rodgers? I am. Are you worried about this run defense? I am. Rodgers in the run defense, I think, will be, if they end up falling short in the playoffs, I think those will be the two biggest reasons in some order. Yeah. Okay, so I asked you guys to send some Twitter questions along after the game, and you did not disappoint. Let's get to that now. Boy, 37 minutes. I'm really going tonight. Well, what the hell? They got a first round bye. All right, let's go with Kyle Schweiger at Schweiger underscore Kyle. He's a three-point question. Kyle, you're killing me. One, (laughs) this winning ugly identity is a great identity. Gritty ways to win. Just win, baby. Two, Lazard isn't the answer at wide receiver two, but still damn good. Hope they retain him. The receiver room should look a lot different next year. Three, the Packers are now three and eight when Rodgers throws 48 plus times. Okay, so let's get to these in order. Yeah, I mean, just win, baby, at this point. Yeah, that's all that matters, right? Survive in advance. Who gives a shit how it looks? There's no style points in the playoffs. Uh, Your question about Lazard? No, he's probably not the answer at wide receiver two, but I think he could be the answer at wide receiver three. He could be that number three guy. Maybe number four. I think he'd be a great number four. Um, I think they will bring, I think he's an exclusive rights free agent, so he'll be back. Uh, and I would think the receiver room will look a lot different next year, either via free agency or the draft, probably some combination of the two. They've got more cap space now that Rogers restructured his, uh, roster bonus. So that's good. And yeah, I mean, Rogers throwing 48 plus times is not going to be the, it's not going to be the recipe for success. 
On the surface, you might think it is. It's not. <laughs> you know, you got to run. You got to run the ball. Run it through Aaron Jones. All right. Question two. Justin Cornwell at Justin A. Cornwell. I hope Rodgers and Lafleur take a long, hard look at the film and in the mirror at what has worked in the passing game in the last two games. The short rhythm passing game works, and Rodgers can execute it well. That's what they need to run and limit the constant deep throws. Yeah. I mean, Justin, that's what I said a little bit earlier in the show. Like, the the short to intermediate stuff works. It gets them into a rhythm, you know, and then you can mix in Jones in the running game. They should have Jamal Williams back from his shoulder injury by the playoffs, too. Williams, I think, will probably play a key part, especially if the weather's crap. He's he's Edgar Bennett, baby. He's he's built for shitty weather at Lambeau. Um, yeah, the deep throws they, they've got to limit it. Yeah, no more home run chasing or keep it to a minimum. Philip Voss at p underscore Voss. That was less than ideal. I feel like both MLF and Twelve were enamored with the idea of the deep ball. He said, "Set a trend here." How many times do they need to go to the short-slash-intermediate pass game and have it work to realize that is just what they should be doing all the time? Yeah, I mean, like I just answered Justin's question. Absolutely. I don't know what these questions are, by the way, before I look at them. So I got a quick glance over them when I see them. I save them for the show so they're fresh for me, you know? Yeah, the, the short-intermediate game, that's what they got to do. I agree, 110%. Clint. At pack underscore rules with a Z, 1978. Can you think of any Green Bay team that has shown this much will to keep fighting even when down in games to keep winning like this? Even the 2010 team doesn't feel like they've trailed as much or been as close in games like this, games as this. Yeah, I mean, the, the 2010 team, they were really good. You know, like that 2010 team, they had injury stuff. And they kind of were, they couldn't get out of their own way, but they definitely didn't have as many ugly, tough wins like this. No. No, I, I can't think of any Green Bay team that has shown this much, Will. I guess maybe the year Rodgers first broke his collarbone when they had to rely on Matt Flynn and Seneca Wallace. Seneca Wallace, there's another name I didn't, I bet you didn't think you'd hear. When they had to rely on those guys while Rodgers was out, they had to really kind of gut it out. But with Rodgers a quarterback, no, I don't think there's ever been a Packer team quite like this. Chris Wallace at TWR underscore tweets. Oh, thank God you got rid of the underscores, Chris. A, hate to miss home field by inches, but hey, we got to buy, baby. 13-3, and three and it feels good, man. Everything's in front of us. Seattle could well knock the Niners off in the divisional round anyway. I'm 100,000% in on winning ugly all the way to the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, yeah, hell yeah, I am too. Um, Yeah, I agree with all that. I mean, it sucks that the Seattle game didn't go our way tonight, but... Yeah, you still got a first round bye. The guys, the guys still get a week to rest up. You know, can't really worry about home field advantage throughout and what that means for them. So you got to win one game at a time. As cliche as it is, one game at a time. So yeah, I agree with what you're saying. And I do have, you know what? I got a bonus question for you guys. This is from my old pal Gene. He he emailed me this and he asked me if I could if I could respond to him on the show and I said I would. So this is for you, Gene. The comeback aside, how concerned are you with Rodgers' decision-making heading into the postseason? Seemed like he was chasing home runs at times of the game where they just needed six or seven yards. He's still as good as anybody at that little flick he can make on the run, but his deep ball accuracy seems off by enough that it's counterproductive to have him trusting guys 
like Lazard and MVS downfield. Yeah, Gene, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think his, you know, you got a lot to unpack there, pal. But I think <laughs> I think his decision-making, I mean, yeah, it does worry me, right? I mean, look at that play to Jones. Was it late in the first half? When Jones is on like a little wheel route going into the end zone, Rodgers is on the move trying to... That's a throw Rodgers hits in his sleep. So many of these throws today were throws old Rodgers hits in his sleep and he just bricked him. Bricked him hard, man. Like Shaq at the free throw line. You know? Just bad. And, and I, I do worry about that, you know? And I, and I worry... Yeah, I mean, you're right. He can still make... Uh, he still is as good as anybody for the most part. But the accuracy just isn't what it was. And he needs to make better decisions. And, and part of that is realizing, I can't hit the home run right now like I used to. And like I said earlier in the show, it might not always be that way, but right now it is. And he needs to just do what works. Stay within the... If there's a theme for this, stay within the freaking offense, Aaron. I hope that answered your question, pal. <laughs> okay, so thanks to all who sent in questions. I always love hearing from you guys and gals. Okay, so again, the Packers are off next week. I'm not sure if I'll be doing a podcast or not yet. I might get the itch to do a preview of some sort once we know who their opponent will be in the divisional round. Um, I'll, of course, keep you posted. If not, you know your old pal Chris will be back the evening of Sunday, January 12th. Win, lose, or draw. God, I hope they win This has been so fun. I love Packer playoff football. I don't want this to end. I'm not ready for mock drafts or any of that bullshit. I just want to keep watching this team. This is fun, right? Even if they're winning ugly, it's fun. Being in the playoffs is fun, damn it, fun. And again, I don't want it to end. So until next time, whenever that is, I am Chris Lempesis. This has been Lemp's Talking Pack. Thank you so very much for listening. Go, Pack, go.